my thanks again for the welcome that we've received as a family, uh, both in the home that uh, people have worked hard to create for us, but also in the welcome we received through gifts and your generosity and warmth and kindness to us. And thank you for those who braved the dark and the cold and found a parking space and was able to come and share in Thursday night. Uh, and for those who weren't there, and for those who don't know anything about me, I'm Carl, I'm married to Linz. We have four children, uh, Phoebe, Olivia, Toby, and Abigail. We'll be testing you on that later, as I'm sure you'll be testing me on your names later, which I probably won't remember. Uh, I'm passionate about many things in life. I have some small passions like tennis, so yes, I am disappointed today after yesterday. Um, but uh, I have may, may bigger passions than that as well, obviously, primarily Jesus. Um, and as I shared on Thursday night, I am passionate about family and supporting family life, both uh, actual families but also the church family and seeing the family function well. And I believe that starts with my own family. And so I seek to uh, be committed to my family as well as committed to the church family. I believe in prayer, that nothing happens without prayer, but with prayer things do happen. Uh, and so I seek to be a man of prayer as much as I can and have been praying for you since the moment I was appointed. Uh, and also I believe in uh, mission, that the message of Jesus Christ that we have is too important to keep to ourselves, but he is worth sharing with the world. And I believe in unity. The kind of unity that doesn't leave, uh, leads to uniformity but celebrates our differences and seeks to work together for those common goals of family, prayer and unity. All underpinned by my passion for more of the Spirit in my life uh, and in my ministry and in his church. So that's enough about me. Let's turn to God's word uh, and let's pray as we do so. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for that your word gives life. We thank you that you speak through your word, and we pray that you would speak afresh through your word to us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So yeah, as Chris said, um, I opted for having uh, 1 Timothy as a mini-sermon series to kick us off into this new year. I absolutely love this uh, particular letter in Scripture. I haven't chosen it just because I love it. Um, I do think that this is of God. I hope it's of God. And I hope that we will grow as a church and as a benefit as we look at this letter together. And I urge you, I don't really know what happens uh, in terms of small groups, but if your small groups are able to, to read the passages at least together, and if you are, uh, I encourage you to read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy together in your own reading as well to see the bigger picture that's being formed. But this letter is um, a great letter. And the reasons I love it is because this is a personal personal letter from Paul to Timothy. Uh, Timothy, who he left in charge of the church in Ephesus after Paul did his classic thing of planting a church and then leaving it, uh, he left Timothy in charge and he was writing to Timothy, his good friend, this letter. I don't think, I like to think that Paul would never have imagined that 2,000 odd years later we'd still be using this as a universal doctrine uh, for the church, but I can see why this letter was chosen for scripture. Because the problems and the issues that were facing the church in Ephesus are just as much an issue today as they were then. And the things and the encouragements that Paul gives to Timothy are just as relevant to us today as they were then as well. And the thing I love about it, and the reason why I think it's great for kicking off the new year with, is that because this is a personal letter, Paul does not hang about. He doesn't waste any time with any of those nice pleasantries, as important as they are, 
he's straight to the point because he knows Timothy so well. Uh, they're such good companions and friends. They've worked together so much that he's able to just get straight to the point and say, Timothy, look, this is the issue here. We know, Timothy, that you are in a church that is surrounded by uh, so much difficulty and so much challenge. And one of the issues that there is, is that there are people in your church teaching things that are not of Jesus, that are confusing the gospel in their heads, that may think that they're teaching the truth, but actually they're so far from actually living out what they should be living out. They're confusing what the purpose of the law is with with what actually it's for. They're confusing what Jesus came to say, and they are confusing, therefore, the church that surrounds you. And I'm not saying you have those people here at Slapham. I've not heard any of the preachers yet, so I can't possibly comment. Um, But actually, it's something that I do see in the church with a capital C. That we do have these people still around who are confusing the gospel. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is not only to be on guard for the fact that those people are there, but he also reminds Timothy what we are called to teach, the charge we are given, what it is we are called to share with one another and with the world. And the charge that he speaks of in verse 4 and verse 5 is he says that we should have the aim to instruct love. Love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Now when you look at it, it seems quite obvious. Of course it's love. God is love. What Paul is saying is that remember what you have received from God. Remember the love that you yourself have received. And any message you preach or any message that is preached in the church, either from the front or amongst one another, should come from that place of love. That should be the driving force for any message that is given. Even if that message comes with a challenge, it comes from a place of love. Love for God, love for one another, and love for the world. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, it comes from that love, but it's a love that is defined as coming from a pure heart. A heart that knows who Jesus is. A heart that knows what Jesus has done for them. A heart that knows the forgiveness of Christ. A heart that seeks to be turned to Jesus. A pure heart is a heart that is turned to Jesus. That has Jesus as the Lord of that heart as the number one priority above anything else. That's a pure heart. He speaks to, of a good conscience. You know, I often say that um, when I came to faith at the age of 16, that a conscience was one of the best gifts that Jesus ever gave me. I I kind of look back and I think actually that when my priorities changed, when I found Jesus... I realize actually the number of things that I was saved from because of that. The paths I could have gone down if it wasn't for that conscience. Don't get me wrong, I was raised incredibly well. And I'm not just saying that because mum and dad are here today. Uh, I was raised incredibly well. And I wasn't one of those massively rebellious teenagers, I hope, too much. And didn't cause too much grief for my parents. But I do know that some of the decisions I could have made in life had I not met Jesus at the age of 16 would have been very different. That my conscience was changed. That my priorities changed. That the decisions I make were based on something different than what they were before. 
And that clear conscience is what Paul is looking for in the church in Ephesus. Does that mean that the rector that stands before you now is perfect? No. And if you're looking for a perfect rector, I'm afraid I've already disappointed you. Because I don't believe there's such a thing. Because having a good and a clear conscience is not necessarily about being perfect, although we hope to be in Jesus. I believe a clear conscience is about knowing when we've done wrong, repenting when we've done wrong, and seeking to do right from thereafter. That's what a good conscience does to us. Makes us aware, and the Spirit does a great work in that as well. So he speaks of having a pure heart, a good conscience, which is a conscience turns to Jesus, holding to God's principles. And then he speaks of a sincere faith. A sincere faith is the kind of faith that trusts God in everything, in every circumstance, good or bad. A sincere faith is the faith that holds on to Jesus through the storm and through the calm. The sincere faith is the one that knows that God is always good and always faithful and always just and always knows what he's doing, even when we don't. A sincere faith that causes our lives to be different from how they were before. The sincere faith that leads to much more than just being a Christian on a Sunday, but a sincere faith that affects Monday through to Sunday. A sincere faith that means our lives become different because we are turned to him. Faith in Jesus Christ. I read a quote this week from Pete Gregg, leader of the 24-7 prayer movement, and he said this, We are called to live our lives in such a way that without God, nothing makes sense. We are called to live our lives in such a way that without God, nothing makes sense. That's not just a call for people who wear a collar. That's a call for each of us. To have sincere faith that makes a difference to our lives and how we live our lives with one another. And so what Paul is calling for here in Timothy is to remind Timothy, to remind the church that when a gospel is preached from love, it looks like that. It comes from those motives of having a pure heart, a clear conscience, a sincere faith. It is to build up the church for the mission of God in the world. And I believe that when we preach and we teach and we speak to one another from that place, I believe that is the glorious gospel that's been entrusted to us that Paul speaks about. Because that's what we have received ourselves in Jesus on the cross and at the resurrection. Think for a moment on the love that you yourself have received as his children. And think for a moment whether how you are with other people models and reflects that love. Because that's what Paul calls us to. Jesus, by his grace, has entrusted us with that gospel. God could save the world however God wants to save the world. God could transform lives however he wants to transform lives. 
But he chooses to let us play a part in that. He chooses to let us represent him. The God who made everything chooses to let us represent him. So we need to ask ourselves all the time, how well are we doing that? And that's the charge that Paul was giving to Timothy, reminding Timothy, this is what is going to set you apart, that when you preach and you speak and you teach and you encourage and you share, you do it from a love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience and a sincere faith. That's the glorious gospel that has been entrusted to us. That is what Jesus has given to us to share with one another and with the world. And when we do, there is something incredibly attractive about that. Because it's so countercultural. Because the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is countercultural to the kingdom that's around us. And we are called to live like this. And I know that it's not easy. And I know that it feels like a really heavy weight. Because we do mess it up. We do get it wrong. We are human after all. So thank God for his spirit. Thank God for all that he gives us to help us in this. The fruits of the Spirit. So all of this begins and ends in your own relationship with Jesus. In order to share Jesus and his love, you need to know Jesus and his love. So just as Paul is urging Timothy at the start of this letter, I am urging you at the start of my ministry here and at the start of this new year, to commit 2017 to getting to know Jesus better. To know him as best as you can. And if you know him well, know him better. If you don't know him at all, get to know him. There's no one more worth knowing than Jesus. And in all that you do, in your prayer, in your worship, in your daily life, ask God, how can I know Jesus better? So that from that place, from that relationship, I can be a person who loves from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and with a sincere faith.